That's uh, good. It's good. Uh, you know, it's just let things go across the airways of our uh, of our town. So that's cool. Um, I see yesterday we, we uh, helped the ladies do their kayaking, so we got people in the river, so you saw some pictures up, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, some, one, I was talking to uh, Kath's sister, and she said that their church doesn't do any fun stuff. It's like, man, we want to be the church that's known fun stuff. And so yesterday, you know, you got that picture of all these ladies in their kayaks, and they had to go through a mob of killer geese. Uh, that was pretty cool. And, and, and swans. Stay. And uh, uh, Hannah was going around in circles. Which was quite cool. I just sat there laughing at her. She was trying to trying to switch out a kayak, and so she just ran into the wall and got backed up a little bit because of the flow. And then she ran into the wall again, and just about tipped herself out. And it's like but that picture on Facebook looks fantastic. She's bossing it, but actually, I don't know which, if she's facing the right direction. It doesn't matter. And then, then last week we went caving after church on Sunday. So there's a bunch of us, about 20 went through this time. And again, it's just fun doing something a bit different. And you know, we, we saw people go in. It's a bit deeper. I put that. Um, picture up where it says it's deeper so it's up to the neck and so likes of Nikki and some of the shorter ones Fiona over there are swimming through the first bit and like we got everybody out alive on two water based activities so maybe autumn's coming we might have to change the activity or what we're doing so yeah oh Bryn came yesterday we're going to get you in the kite we're going to strap you to it get you down there through those killer geese so um I think it's something spiritual. There was actually Egyptian geese out in the paddock, so it's like, I don't know where they come from. They must be imported from somewhere. And they come running over to the girls. They're like, oh, it's the devil. Anyway, you know how sometimes you, you, you sense things that you know are going to happen, and it's not until it happens that you realize that I knew that was going to happen. The other day I was taking my irrigator out of gear, and I was pulling it with this hand, and I put this hand up the top for some stupid reason and as I did that I thought I could pinch myself and then I just pinched myself and my little pinky got crushed at the top of it and I was like I knew that was going to happen but my, my, didn't, my body didn't react enough quick enough for my brain to, to pull out and so yeah crushed my finger and then the other day we, Kath and I went to Hamner was it two weekends ago? Two weekends ago and for our 35th wedding anniversary like, that's a long time. Thanks, guys. And so 35 years, and it's like we were just deciding what we're going to do there. And hey, let's go for a horse ride. Like, a horse ride is, like, romantic. And, uh, and I said, this time, don't put that I'm inexperienced. Because last time I got a Clydesdale because I, Kath said I was inexperienced. And I said, you lie. You say that he's quite experienced. So I get there, and I get this great big horse, and I'm like, this is going to be good. There's hills out the back and there's trees and there's tracks. And I'm thinking, this is going to be good. I can just imagine the Mansman Snowy River, you know, here, wind in my hair. Kath and I looking across at each other and giving each other a wink and, and then just galloping. I just thought this is going to be good. So anyway, we get there, we pay the money over and I go, whew, that's going to hit the bank account anyway, right? This is going to be good. Two horses are saddled up and I'm feeling good because mine's a big horse this time. Look, he looked fit. And so my expectation was that this is going to be amazing, going to be a great time for me and Kath to enjoy this horse riding. <laughs> Bryn, don't ruin the story. And so, so with these two horses were ha- saddled up, and, and I'm just starting to think, why haven't they saddled their two horses up? Oh, that's a bit weird. Anyway, um, th- then um, as we go across to our horses to get on, I'm thinking... They're going to get us on the horse. Oh, are we going to ride by ourselves? This is even better. They're going to let us go for it. But my mind was saying, no, something's wrong. And I knew there was something wrong. And then um, 
they get us on their horses and we just stand there tied to the hitching rail and there's two girls there and it's like, yeah. So, so you're going to just quickly saddle your horses up? Oh, no, we're going to walk with you. I thought, no. You know, no, you're not going to walk with us. It was like a, um, you know, the, the kids' farm corner at a show. Hey, you want a pony ride? Hop on, we'll lead you. It was like that. <laughs> so we get led down the lane. They were walking. They were holding on to the halter. It's not funny. You know, I'm like a Christian. I have to get, I have to pull all my restraint in not to have a patty. You know, it was like, this is not what I expected. So, and then we get, we walk down the lane and we do we lap on the paddock and then we're coming back and they said, would you like us to, you know, just tuck the ropes in so that you can, yeah, you know, it starts raining, yeah. And, and so you tuck the rope and they still sit there. So my girl was like, if the horse looked like it was going to do anything, she just grabbed the, the thing again. It's like, flipping heck. I felt like saying to Calf, okay, give him the eye to go, ah! <laughs> and just gallop off and get up the hill somewhere. So, But anyway, all that to say, sometimes you know that there's something happening and you don't quite know what it is. And I just what I'm, I'm sensing for the season, I, I feel this is what I feel. And, and this is the, you know that something, you know that you know something, but you don't know what you know. All right, and so I sent this. This season is a season of awakening and expectancy of, for something new. And I know I was just talking to Terence just then, saying this. I believe there will be a significant season of uh, healing and restoration, healing of broken hearts and restoration of relationships, and um, that there will be an expectancy for uh, something new, a new way, a new expression of faith and purpose. And that's just sort of. It's just the, I sort of feel that I, I articulated that when I was thinking that I sort of know I think I know something but I don't know what I know. <laughs> but anyway, I want to talk today about I said I was going to talk about my brother a bit more. Today I'm not going to cry. It's all good. If you don't know my story about my brother, my brother died um, a year and a well, not quite a year and a half ago. Tragic accident at, on a, on Stewart Island. And uh, so if you want to know that story, guys that don't know it, go online and find my sermon from about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, might be four weeks ago, and listen to it. You'll get the background of where we're going. I don't want to go into it too much today because I'm not crying and I don't want you to cry. No, it's all right. I'm not going to cry today. So influence. Now, this is what I didn't talk about. I talked about last time about um, salvation and restoration. All right, he came to God in an amazing way 20 years ago. He was restored from a really broken place. So today, let's start with the scripture because that's a good thing to do. It says this in Mark 2, verses 15 to 22. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors... They asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The heck? On hearing this, Jesus said to him, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus comes in here, and he, it's, it's an example where he changed like the spiritual culture that was the normal for those days. He just comes in and he completely does something different. The religious, religious leaders go, sheesh, what are you doing? You're contaminating yourself. And let's put it with something else. So, okay, the religious, the teachers of the law who were Pharisees. But then if we go to Luke 19, 
verses 1 to 10. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. Everybody knows the story of Zacchaeus. What was he? And a... Yeah, put that in. And a... Short man. He was a short man. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Uh, A man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector who was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, uh, fig tree. Sycamore fig tree. I didn't see the fig before, eh? Um, since Jesus was coming that way. And then when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the to the Lord, Lord, look, uh, look here. I now give half of my possessions possessions to the poor, for I ha- and I have if I have cheated out anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to to this house because this man too is a son of Abram, Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so you've got two stories here where the first one is the scribes and Pharisees are going, hey, you can't meet, yeah, what's Jesus doing? What sort of guy is this? And the second one, it says the, that all the people saw that he went to Zac- Zacchaeus' place. So they, they, they're going, oh, what the heck? And so what I saw here is that um, um, when we are influenced wrongly, we view wrongly. And so the people saw the Pharisees and the scribes going, hey, you know, this is, this is upsetting. Why is Jesus going to, with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors, all those people? Why is he doing that? And, and they were like, say, like, you know, they should be with us. You know, we're better than that. But then the people heard them say that, and then they take on the same thing. Oh, what the heck? I'm not going to mix with, you know, sinners. Sheesh. They're way too holy for that. And it's, 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 it's sad. You know, they were influenced by what they saw, and it's not a healthy example. And so I guess when I want to talk about influence now, I'm going to go into a bit more of Greg's story now, but, um, you know, everywhere we go, there's influence. You know, you send your kids to school. They're influenced, not only by their peers, but by the teachers that are teaching them. When, they go to, when our, and our young, young people go to university, they say that pretty much most of them lose their faith. Because of the influence, not only of their peers and of the lifestyles, but also because a lot of the lecturers are very down on Christianity. And so influence, you think, oh, I don't know. Influence is not, yeah, influence is really huge. Two, two scriptures that, or two, I've got two scriptures here, but a scripture and a thought that came to me. Uh, when my brother was in, a, in his coma for two weeks, um, I really felt this was a scripture in John twelve twenty four. It says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And uh, I thought that was like a figurative thing, is that he's going to recover and he's going to have a testimony, even though he had strokes and he wouldn't be able to be like he was. Um, he died and it ended up being figured, uh, not uh, literal, that's the word, literal. And I was like, okay. Okay, that was <laughs> that didn't go the way I was hoping it was going to go. I'm praying it was going to go. And then when I was back there a month ago, we went back to Stewart Island to the same block to spread the ashes. 
um, at the, around the accident site. Um, I really felt God say to me when I was just sitting up on a hill um, in one evening, I really felt him sort of say that, that, that Greg's life will impact more people in his death than it would in his life. And I thought, man. And I, I had my sister-in-law um, ring me up the day after I preached last time about her ex-husband, you know, her deceased husband. And, uh, and she says, what did you say? And I said, oh, look, listen to it. And so she said, okay, I'll listen to it. And then tell me what you think. And if, if, it's not, if it, you're not happy, I'll get it off the Facebook post real quick. And then for the next hour, I was panicking because I was like, what say she doesn't like it? And I'm like, oh, no, because it's hard to explain to someone what you're going to say. She says, I hope you didn't say too much. I said, well, what's too much? I don't know. Because Greg's story is a powerful story of, of the redemption and, and the rest- restoration. And uh, so finally the phone goes. And, oh, it's Julie. and she's crying. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh no! This is this is not. He's crying. I said, "Sorry, I'll just just get myself together." And I'm like, "Oh crikey!" And she says, "That was beautiful." <laughs> Holy moly! Uh, so, and I said, she said about that too that his life would impact more people in, in death than he would in life. And who else did that? Jesus, because Jesus says in John fourteen twelve. Now, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me and do the works that I do have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. And so here's, here's an example of, of that. I didn't get that scripture. I got the, the phrase that there'd be more people would be touched. And it's like, Jesus did that. It was like, i got to go now. And it's like, hang on, Jesus. I think actually life is better with you right here. I like seeing you here. But he said, no, it's actually better that I go. Because when I go, you guys pick up the slack. You guys you get the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, and then you pick it up, and then you take it on. And, uh, and to this day, we're still seeing the Christian faith growing because we have taken it on. And so, you know, if you are sitting at home thinking, you know, I don't have much influence, you do so because Jesus is in your life. And so we do have influence. And I know people would say, and I've heard people say, oh, I don't have any gifts or talents. I don't, I don't really know what to do with my life. It's rubbish. If Jesus is in you, you have influence. And it might start at your family level. It might start at your siblings. It might start at your parents. It might start at your kids. You do have significant influence. And that's what I want, the message I want to drive home today, really. So, how important is it for us to influence? Very important. Because people don't actually see God. I haven't had anybody say, oh, yeah, I saw God the other day. I do see some angel visitations. Sometimes people feel that God spoke to them. Abram. But generally, people don't say, oh, look, I, had it. I saw God. You know, God stood before me and talked. God, people see God through us, through you, through me. And so what are they seeing? So what does it look like for you? This is my question to you. What are, what are people seeing in your life? Um, when, when Lucky came last week, if those that didn't hear Lucky Tokoha, <laughs> go online and check about three Sundays ago. And Lucky came up, uh, ex-gang member, um, Lovely guy, actually. He's really fun to hang around. He's he's got he's got stories after story after story, but just got such a heart. And he's coming back on the twenty second of May. So if you missed him, the mandate's going to be listened. Vaccine passes are not going to be a thing. We're going to have a full on time with Lucky next time. That was a faith statement right there, wasn't it? Whew! Let's just say it. But his big thing, the thing that um that I took home from this whole three meetings that I had with him was this, that our trauma 
is powerful. What we go through is powerful. And it's like, normally it's like when people say, hi, what's your story? You know, what, what, what has God done in your life? And you go, oh, you know, he's not done, done this and then done much. <laughs> or, oh, and you don't value the fact that you've lived a life. And if not all of you, I would say most of you, if not all of you, have had trauma in your life. Anybody here hasn't had trauma? Don't put your hands up. You might get some trauma. God might say, oh, okay, I need to give them a little bit of trauma. But a trauma, trauma means a deeply or distress, uh, distressing experience. And that'll be different for each one of us. And the thing is, for me, um, a, a small trauma, it wasn't too big, fortunately, because I was sort of half prepared for it. I had heard some teaching on it from a doctor um, when I was told that I had cancer. That is traumatic. It's like, oh, no. And that was four years ago now? We weren't here very long when it happened. So prostate cancer, um, and the specialist says, uh, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, there is a bit of um, mischief going on there. And I thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to hear that. I got cancer. Um, fortunately, uh, been healed. Um, they can't find anything. <laughs> I got prayed for up at a conference in Auckland, um, and I, I just felt there was something powerful happened, and they can't find it. And my PSA levels have dropped down to normal. I'm norm- the doctor actually sent me a notice saying that I'm a normal person. So, if you have an issue with that, come and talk to me later. I'll show you the text. You are, he said, I am normal. I like being normal. Normal's good. Hey, Jamie. Ja- Jamie's my neighbor, and he knows that I'm normal. Yeah, I'm special and normal, Bryn. And the thing is, um, it becomes my story to tell. You know, and, and when I tell my story, you know, I know, I know some people might be a bit more private about that prostate cancer. Oh, gosh. Uh, but it's like, it's, it's a body. It's only flesh. It's only going to serve me for a wee while, and then I'm not going to have it anymore. So for, for me, Greg's death had become a point of trauma, too. Um, it was a traumatic, deeply distressing situation when, when you know, he's evacuated off with a 10-centimeter, with a, a we didn't know at the time, uh, lupin stick in his eye to get fixed. And then I get a call to get to the hospital quick because they're going to turn his life support off. That is traumatic. I remember, oh, I do feel a bit of emotion there. I remember when I got to Bluff off the helicopter, all the guys got off together and they said, I oh, will drive. So you drive, get to Dunedin quick. I just remember howling. How, I mean, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed about how I cried. <laughs> it was terrible. I was thinking, oh, the poor guys here and this guy wailing in the back of the van. But anyway, it was traumatic. And so because of that, I, I feel now that I can speak out of that experience. And it's like Greg's story. Um, we are interlocked in our stories, and I'm still alive. I can still share it. He's not here. And uh, with his wife's permission now, I can do that to, to you know, quite an extent. Um, Lucky's whole message was about trauma. You know, when he was speaking in church, you know, it was trauma, trauma, tra- traumatic. How many, you know, if you heard that sermon or go back and listen to it, sheesh, it was traumatic. But then it got to a point where it flipped and then he talked about how he, he encountered God. And then it went from trauma to encounter. And, you know, every, I mean, wow. And the thing is, we don't want to be stuck in our trauma. We want to come into an account, encounter. Very powerful, it's very simple. 
Greg's tra- had trauma in his life, so not just the accident then, but 20 years earlier, as I said, he'd had uh, moral failure, significant moral failure, and he had trauma in his life, but that had become the point where he could speak life out of that. And, you know, the thing with Greg, he was never a, um, he was never a person who had a significant leadership in a church. Because he was a policeman for 28 years, he was often on call, so he'd do shift work, he'd either be sleeping or he'd be working. But, he was, so he, he'd never, he wasn't an elder, he wasn't like, he did do a wee bit of um, uh, connect group leading the odd men's ministry thing, but not, he didn't really have a leadership uh, position. And uh, sometimes when you get people like that in the church, you don't see them very often. And, and it's easy not to have too much um, interaction in the church or not to be seen, not been doing too much. But Greg was a guy that worked behind the scenes. And you knew, even though you didn't see him on a Sunday that often, you knew 100% that he was giving 100%. He was that person that you want on your team. Even though you can't get there all the time, you knew that he was one you wanted in the team. He used to always encourage me, you know, you're going to be a pastor one day, Lyndon. I said, oh, he's quite perceptive. Eh? And I says, he says, mate, if I ever become a pastor, Kath and I, if we're going to lead a church somewhere, he says, you and Julie are going to come and join us because I want what you guys have got in my church. And so we used to joke about that. He said, when he'd joke about pastoring, he said, yeah, you're going to come join me? Because we're not doing this by ourselves. Found Dre and Hannah instead, so thought they seemed pretty good, so we came back. There's a story in that one too. Greg created friendships with people, and, uh, and that can take some time. But he created these friendships, but he did it in a way that they got to a safe place where they could start sharing. One of the guys on Stewart Island, on the trip that Greg died on, um, he wasn't a Christian. He was a, a workmate from Fonterra, um, and he was quite crude. Um, he made a few comments to me about stuff, and I let it off me. Once Greg had gone to the hospital, and I went back into the house in a tent, so I went back into the hut, and he just made the comments. He says, oh, there'd be a couple of playboys up there under the mattress, won't there? I don't know what he'd be doing at night. And I just felt angry. Not really at him, but at what he just said. And I just, I said to him, I just, I remember my eyes going a bit wide. I said, mate, how well do you know Greg? And he's like, oh, uh-oh. Um, oh, there's maximum impact when your notes go flying, eh? We'll start the story again. Yeah, so, so here, that's going to happen again. So, so here's Greg, um, here's, here's this guy looking at me with his eyes wide because I'd caught him out. You know, he, he felt like, uh, he looked like he was getting told off, actually. And he was like, oh. I, I said, you don't know him? He says, well, no, not, not that well. You know, I've only been working with him for a while. I says, he says, if you knew my brother, you wouldn't even say that comment. And he said, oh. oh so, so what happened? And I said, it's not my story to tell. And then I just rolled over, <laughs> went back to sleep. This guy was bugged by this. And so he was like, oh, I need to talk to Greg. Or Greg died. This guy was so distraught. He was the one that ran back to tell me that there'd been an accident, the one that was crying. He's very soft. And when we got to the hospital, all the guys came up to see Greg in in this coma in the bed, and he didn't want to come up. He was just so upset. And so this guy has been impacted by Greg's life so much so that I don't even want to see him in a coma. And so, of course, Greg died. And then three months later, we met together, the five of us that were left, met together to have a weekend just to just to bond, really, because, you know, we didn't know each other. We were all 
all new to each other, so we didn't get to know each other over the week like we were supposed to. We'd only been there sort of a day and a day, and then the accident, not even a day, and the accident happened. And then it was just all, everything just fell to bits. But three months later, um, the other guys had gone out to do a bike ride, and it was me and this guy left. Um, I know the guy as well, but he comes up to the, I was on the veranda, beside a hut up at uh, Fairley, and he, 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 he's sort of a little bit fidgety, fidgety and he's like, Lyndon, you know that day in the hut when you said, I need to ask Greg, and he's looking sort of upset, he says, I can't do that now. He says, ah, oh, okay, here it goes, it's my story to tell now. And so I told him Greg's story, and you could just see him go, oh, okay. But the thing is, I want to make the note. The thing that I want to say about that is that Greg would build the significant friendships and relationship to a place of trusting, and then he would share his testimony. With this guy, he hadn't quite got there. He was on the way to that, and I know that's exactly where Greg was going. But he died before he got there, and so I shared with the guy what had happened. And that's like with us when we're building friendships and relationships. Sometimes we want to take a bit of a shortcut. We want to take the short route there. But it's like build the friendship, build the relationship, earn the right to speak into people's lives. Once you've done that, then it's far more imp- impacting. True freedom is when we can speak out of the, event, the events that have shaped us, where there's no longer shame speaking, but wholeness speaking. And I know that that's an issue. A lot of people like to say, oh, you don't, know, you don't want to know what I've done. You don't want to know what I've been involved in. And it's like, I don't care. Because if God's changed your life, or if God's going to change your life, I don't care. I know it's going to be better than whatever you did. We had a guy came into our church who'd, who'd been in prison for um, sex offending with, with young people. Um, and I did not hold that against him. And most people wouldn't even know that. But, but he's dead now, so he died in his, seat, in his chair during COVID, unfortunately. But he couldn't handle being loved. He came to our church. He was so loved. He could not handle being loved. When he's singing that song, I am a child of God, he said, if I sing that song one more time, I don't know what I'm going to... He did throw a wobbly one day. He can't take the healing that God's offering him, even though he was loved. Greg loved people. Greg saw people's pain. Greg saw the lonely. And he saw the lost. And he had an empathy. Even though he's a policeman, he was a, a, um, a sergeant, even though he's a policeman, he still was able to empathize with people. And so I just want to read a couple of... Uh, I've got some weight here. Have you got a phone there, Kev? just going to read a couple of texts just to, to show you how simple... Thanks. How simple it is to influence. Here's, here's a, a friend of Greg's that has been a friend for a long time. Um... He says this, Hi, I'm Jeremy. Greg and I have known each other since our school days. I finally remember him. The very first meeting was in the school bus line, ready to go home. And this new kid was behind me. So I said, G'day, mate. To which Greg replied, I'm not your mate. (laughs) And that was our start of a 38-year friendship. And then it goes over here. Um, Greg was the ultimate guy to text or call. Just at the right time, um, one of them went like this. And, and Greg, he, he's the sort of guy that he'd ring up, say, hi, here you going, here's your date. Yep, yeah, just wanted to say hi. He says, yeah, love you, bro. And then drop the phone down. Like, oh, I didn't even talk to you. He just, if he thought of you, he did it. And this is what he did with this guy. He said this, um, just a text. Hi there, 
Jeremy, thinking of you today and, and what a wonderful father you are to your three kids. And then Jerry just said, which was enough to make me have a better day. That's all he said. Thinking of your day and what a wonderful father you are to your great kids. That's influence right there. Another guy, um, this is another friend from his church. Many people have superb stories and memories. But, um, but with Greg, the, the epi- oh, a good one was, <laughs> um, his favorite encounter with Greg was that they were talking about a young guy that they had both taken responsibility with to look after and mentor and they felt that they'd sort of overlooked it and hadn't done a very good job. And so um, so there was a day where they were together, and they realized this, they washed each other's feet and says that we're going to continue and pick up again where we should be with this young guy and help him to be a better person, a better farmer, a better, father, um, a better husband. And so here they are washing their feet. How many of you guys have done that? Where you're in a, and you know you're having a you know you're with someone. Hey mate, look, look I just want to be accountable. Can we wash each other's feet? Maybe we should wash each other's feet more often, eh? And then here's the guy that um, that they were talking about, and this guy would have shared this at the at the memorial service, but I talked too long. So I am truly devastated to have lost such a remarkable, incredible man who has loved, supported and mentored me over the last 12 years of my life. All my thoughts and prayers go into the amazing Sutherland family. Uh, I first met Greg at the church as a lost, depressed young boy with no confidence, um, no identity or purpose. And I was full of anxiety. I was sitting in the, in the back right in front of him. He immediately got around me and was genuinely interested in who I am, telling me he was going to take me hunting one day to then having him hunt me down in handcuffs on a Saturday night, resulting in myself spending the night in the police station, stuck in the police cells for bad behaviour, to then having him welcome me into his home, to his beautiful family, taking me hunting, real hunting, not cops and robbers, guiding me to shoot my first tar and my first stag, to giving me my first rifle, and then to also encourage me to date Britt, who is now my wife. He refused to allow me to call him Greg. I was only allowed to call him Uncle Greg. Somehow he, was always, he always pointed me in the right direction and has, has taught me so much from learning to smile, self-confidence and to be bold and to never give up and being the best example of loving my neighbours I have loved myself. I will miss you. Thank you for showing me the Father's heart. The Father's heart. You know that young guy talked about the Father's heart because someone showed him the Father's heart. That is influence. When you come from a broken family and look, Look, let's be honest here. In the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see brokenness in our young people that we've never seen before. It's going to come like a truck. And um, every single one of us, and you think, oh, I'm too old to do that. No way. Anybody that lends an ear to a broken young person come in these coming years is going to have a, an influence and, and a powerful connection in their lives if we spend that time doing that. And then there's another, another guy. that Kath and I met up with him when we were in Hamner a couple of weeks ago. And this guy, I didn't really know him. I didn't know him, actually. Um, his name's Jürg, he's Swiss, Swiss. so he's, um, he's Jim and Katie, is what they call themselves now. And he wanted to catch up with me because, you know, they, they were shocked by Greg um, not, not being still around. And they're still saying, it's still, we feel, feel like we haven't got closure. And I got up there in the pie cart there, um, uh, PJ's Pies in Hamner, there's just a wee pie cart, go and put, uh, beautiful pies, go and buy a pie there. Sheesh, they, I was given one. And they said, I'll pay for it. I said, no, you're not going to pay for it. Um, and then... Katie saw me, and I don't even know her. I met her once. And she was serving a customer, and she goes, ah! And I'm like, 
looked behind me to see who a friend was, and it's like, it's just me there, and it's like, oh, she was reacting to me. And she served a customer, she came rushing out and gave me a hug and just started crying. And I thought, wow, because I looked, looked like my brother a bit, and so I was just a memory to her. And so then she had to keep going backwards to customers and to me, and then Kath came over, then her husband Jim came from his, his uh, shop, and, and we just sat there and, and talked, and, and they just... We're just talking about Greg and talking about life and how we and hey, let's need to catch up again. And, and it's like, man, Greg had an impact. They met at Mount Cook years ago. Um, he said the first time he met Greg, he was in a dress-up party. He was dressed as Rambo. But this here, is his, this is his story. Um, last weekend's hunting trip was with my son, Nicholas Gregory Bratsky. Where did he get the name Gregory from? He called his son, his middle name, Gregory. It was one to remember for me. Memorable moments and an awesome hunt, resulting in a spiker for Nick. I know Greg would have been stoked to see the pictures on the Facebook, asking me of how he got the deer, where he went, and so forth. He would have been full, so full of praise for Nick, making him feel super special. Rest in peace, my friend. We dearly miss you. You are on our hearts forever. How spiritual do you have to be to be an influence? Just living life. Living life in a genuine way. Greg impacted those he worked with everywhere. I don't know if you see, uh, if the Timaru has a tragedy or anything goes down in Timaru, you'll probably get Chief Inspector Dave Gaskin will be the one that um, uh, addresses the media. Um, he was his boss. And uh, he, he came on two of our trips to Stewart Island. and I did another trip, another hunting trip after Tar with him and his son. But Greg, you know, he, he was, had such mana in the police that his his boss would go to Stuart Island trips with him. That's how he impacted it. And that guy there met Julie in the supermarket a few months after his death and he just came up to her and says, Julie, your Sutherland family have a faith that is undeniable. He says, I envy that in you guys. He's on a journey because of Greg's life. The Fonterra, when he was working there, Craig was the guy I talked about before, um, hadn't, was still getting to know him. But there's another guy Greg was telling me about. He's a guy there, he's a real staunch guy, big tough guy, and he treated everybody badly. Nobody liked him, everybody was scared of him. You know what, Greg's, he's only there two or three months. Greg had already made relationship with that guy and broken this guy down to the point where he was saying, I actually come from a Christian family. And uh, others, you know, were just amazed that, how the heck, this guy comes in and connects with this guy that no one likes. That is influence. At his um, memorial service, 800 people turned up. There was only allowed to be 240 on the place. The uh, councillors that came turned a blind eye to it. 800 people, 100 policemen formed a guard of honour. There's blooming sea of blue wrapping around to the trees. And then 73 of them, as they as they go up to the table, then everybody's given a fruit burst because Greg, Greg's like the, he's like the, the the fun of the party. Like a fruit burst just explains as a lolly. That's Greg, and so we all got our fruit burst to take home. And as they go up there, the police have got these little feathers, these little pins, and out of respect or, or honour, they will put them at a, at a for someone. They will put them on the table. Seventy three pins were on the table at the end of the day. With people, you know, they it, it's got to be fairly significant to, to actually let go of your pin. So again, it was just like, just like influence that you know everybody you talk to, they were saying you know stories about him, and they're just saying how much they loved him. Can I have um, Hannah and the team up here? I just want to, can you um, just play make room in the space, whatever the name of that one is? So there were 
So here's, here's Greg um, impacting people in quite a powerful way, and I believe that impact carries on. If God's word to me is true, then I know that the impact of Greg's life, the influence of Greg's life is going to carry on. So in conclusion for today, I just want to, there's two things that we probably have to grasp and get a hold of. Um, and the first one is to actively involve ourselves in other people's lives. How do we influence other people if we are not spending time with other people? And I'm talking people in the, you know, your friends, your, your neighbors, your um, school schoolmates, your uh, anybody that is around you. We've got to spend time. Jesus said he came for the sick because the well people don't need a doctor. He came for the lost because the found don't need to be found. Jesus tells us this. And the second thing is about being 100% committed to the church. And I say that intentionally because you could say, oh, yeah, my, my mission field's out there. I don't really do church or connect groups and things. I, I, I just do it. Our Christian faith, our Christian walk is more than salvation and going to heaven when we die. All right? That is a bonus, and that's a really good part of it. It's not the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here is to influence. And now, you tell me how you can influence if you can't feed those people into a family that are going to love them. And so I can, I can have someone come to know Jesus, but I need you guys. I need you to help me with my friends that I want them to meet Jesus. I like this family. You can't be family if you don't come into family. I need you. You need me. You need us. You need our team. You need our... We need to be connected. There's nothing worse than saying, you know, to an orphan, okay, I'll help you out and just leave them an orphan. How miserable would that be? If you are not connected, you won't connect others to anything. In this season, there's a genuine search going on in people's lives. I know, I see it, I'm hearing it all the time. How do we do it? Oh, I don't know how to do it. Do you know what you do? Do what Greg did. You spend hours and time with people. When you go into the mountains, like I'm, I'm, I can do this. I can go to the mountains. I can spend a lot of hours on one day with somebody if I take them up there because it just takes time. It's time. But you can do that. You may, maybe it's the thing you do is coffees. Maybe it's as you go to car car events or maybe you're on a motorcycle. I think a bunch of guys in the church are into motorcycles now. Get on your motorcycles. Go and have a good time. Go to Lake Heron or somewhere. Akaroa, do something. Connect where you can. If you want to do a sewing class, do a sewing class. I don't know. Mums groups, do that. Connect with people. Find a way. So I, I'm a farmer, um, and I'm an outdoors enthusiast, and, and I'm a Christian. So there's three places where I can influence in the church, in the mountains, in the home, around my district. One day I'm going to do a fly fishing course. Not necessarily because, yeah, I want to learn how to fly fish, but also to meet other people who've got common interests that I can actually become friends with on that course because I'm going to spend time with them. Find a way to connect. You know, it takes 40 to 60 hours to form a casual friendship. 40 to 60 hours. It takes um, 80 to 100 hours to transition to a friend. And then it takes over 200 hours to become good friends. Sorry, there is no shortcuts here. Time is what makes this thing work. I am friends with the people, you know, we, the team here. We, we, we know each other so well now. Like we're friends because we've done the 200 hours. Do you guys want to be in this, in 200 hours and you get this? 
This is my family. My family. You guys, you're coming to be our family. You've done how many hours? 50 hours. Guys, this is your first two hours. Is it? I don't know. I haven't seen you before. Jamie, how many hours? We've got a, we've got a relationship because we're neighbours. But he's been to church three weeks in a row. This is blimmin' awesome, you know. And I tell you, there's no shortcut to influence. You know, Jesus, Jesus came. No, he just died and says, now it's your problem. No, he says, I'm giving you the responsibility to do what I would love to have done. I watch um, Rob MacArthur. He does it completely different to me. I watch him. I see him taking all the young guys out for coffees and, and mentoring them and, and teaching them finances. I see him doing that. I never see him doing it, but I, I just see I, I see it happening. He is so different to me. I'm like, I'm entering. I'm not going to tell you about finance. I'm going to tell you how to put a bullet out of a rifle or, or climb a mountain or something. We're so different, and so we don't have to be the same. Sometimes I think we, we think, oh, because I'm not like that person, I'm, I can't really be effective. You can be. Just go with what you like doing. One Corinthians is my last scripture. I'll stop, stop him there. Nine twenty-two to twenty-three says this: To the weak I became weak. To, um, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by, by by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. I may share in its blessings. I became all things to all people. It doesn't mean you've got to go out and take drugs to reach a du- drug dealer. I just put that out there. Doesn't mean you have to get off your face drinking just because you want to relate. No, no. It's just having an attitude that I will not be offended by your behaviour. I will hang out with you anyway. I love you anyway. I'm going to spend time with you anyway. Because the picture that I see of you is way better than what I can see you're doing for yourself right now. Can we stand? Thank you, Father. Just love the song, and as we sing the song, can we just, um, you know, wherever you are today, you know, in lounges at your own home, I see there's a few more families with COVID this week, so um, yeah, wherever you are, sing the song and just allow yourself to be challenged this morning. So, what is our influence on those around about us? Um, and you have a, a, an ideal opportunity in this season to reach people for Jesus Christ. Let's make some room.